Hi, this is Andy Crawshaw from the Game Plan Podcast, where we'll be discussing functional fitness, health, well-being, and becoming your best version. If you're looking to perform at your best in the gym, on the competition floor, or in just everyday life, listen in with Carter Douglas, the creator of the Game Plan, and myself. Hey guys, this is Carter Douglas. We'll be discussing topics and strategies that you can put to practice right away to build long-term habits for life. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Andy here from the Game Plan Podcast, and I'm here with Carter Douglas. Man, you sound passionate every single time you do that. Welcome, uh, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is episode eight. That's right. That's right. Um, just trying to add a little bit of energy to start off with. Um, otherwise, you know, I'll probably just get, you know, into a nice, slower tone kind of feel after a while. But, you know, if we start fast, hopefully it goes a little quicker in today. In this episode, we want to be a little more fast paced with this one. We've got a few interesting um, news uh, topics we want to discuss and get kind of your perspective on these. So specifically, a couple of weeks ago, there's been a few announcements while you're listening to this. This might be about three weeks ago, which is the game, the uh, CrossFit games are apparently still going on. They're still happening. And look, I don't know too much about this, but kind of give me your perspective. What's going on? Yeah, so we're going back to our roots here. I mean, the first couple of episodes, we were talking about the IFFF slash AFFF qualifiers. So now we're going back a few steps and talking about competitions again. It's, it's a full circle. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that the CrossFit Games apparently will still be running, which, you know, this is obviously very relevant for a lot of our lifters, but a lot of, uh, sorry, a lot of our listeners, but our listeners are also big fans of the sport. So I thought it was quite interesting considering worldwide, there's not... I don't actually know of any countries where restrictions have been limit, uh, lifted enough that means gyms are allowed to be open yet. Australia is probably one of the first where we might be able to, and we're still not at that point yet. So it's an interesting thing to say that the games will still be run in a couple of months considering you know there are no flight uh, flights being lifted. You know We're not even allowed to internationally travel. So That's right. So it's going to be very odd to see how they're going to bring to, um, together some of the best athletes around the world to actually compete in a legitimate and well-tested environment. But uh, you know, why do you think they're continuing with this? Like, Is it a good plan in terms of... Because this is a Castro thing, right? It is Castro's plan. I would say it's a mix of a Castro meets Greg Glassman plan. Um, and I would say they're just trying to keep this as consistent as possible because even with uh throughout this obviously a lot of the games athletes are still either their own gym so they've got access to their own gym where they can train everything like that and they're really just trying to keep it as consistent as possible i mean what i think is a bit silly is the olympics have been postponed yeah if the olympics gets postponed everything underneath that should just be shut down it olympics is number one priority honestly when it comes to and number one status symbol when it comes to um sports it's a bit, I almost feel it's a bit of an insult to that saying that, yeah, we'll still run the CrossFit Games even though every other sport is not going to run anymore. I mean, it, honestly, CrossFit isn't that special in terms of uh, of uh, competition. Yeah, even like at a top-level games athlete, most of them aren't exactly really getting paid that much. Most of them still have to work full-time. So I'm unsure when it comes down to flights and whatnot if it's even possible to make it over to the States currently from america without some urgent need but if it was possible i would say it would be so damn expensive and who's going to be paying for this you know are the athletes going to just for the sake of competing for one year i mean in my eyes you know you're probably going to if 
out of last year where I think they had, what, 140 or 150-odd males compete, this year they're probably looking at having, you know, 20 or 30, and they're probably only the ones from the States. Mm, exactly. So even if, like, well, let's be honest here. This is only going to continue. This is only going to happen. The game is only going to um, occur if they even allow any sort of borders opening at all. And that's not going to be a very... Um, it's not obvious that that's going to happen anytime soon. So let's be realistic here. What do you think will happen uh, at the time when they uh, announce something about the games? I reckon they'd be silly to keep it uh, going, but at the same time, it would not surprise me if they did keep it going and just pretty much restricted it to if you make it, you make it. So Mm. they said that they're going to hold the games at the ranch, which is where they originally held the games. There's going to be no spectators. They've already canned the age group, um, the age groups of the teens and the masters events and the teams. So really in theory, it would just be an individual event now. Now, out of the individuals, if they don't restrict, oh, sorry, if flights are still restricted throughout this whole time, you're really only going to get the Americans to be able to go and probably only going to be able to get maybe half of the Americans mm. to be able to go because um, of even them trying to get, you know, flights over. It would be so damn expensive expensive within the States. So it, it to me, it seems pretty much pointless. Would it be televised or, you know, live streamed? And I think... If it was live streamed, do you think then in that case it might be worth putting on just for more of the uh, for more of the um, uh, watchability of the whole event, the hype of the whole event? Yeah, keeping that going. I reckon there would be a significant amount if they made it like a paid live stream. There would be a lot of people paying some money for this, especially if they actually got a solid um, amount of athletes there. If they didn't, people probably don't really give a shit. Um, but if they made it a paid live stream, which they never have in the past, but if all of a sudden they did this year, there'd be a lot of pissed off customers, but they'd also probably actually make a few bucks out of it. Right. Do you think they should just even bother with any of this then or make it just an online only kind of event? I reckon they should just can it. They can't make it online only thing. And especially considering majority, if not all of the CrossFit sanctioned events have now had to cancel I know we got news that the Down Under CrossFit Champs actually just got cancelled. Um, you know, Asia's just got cancelled. We've got a bunch of others that have been actually announced as cancelled. So with there's no sanctioned events, that means there's no actual games athletes qualified for the games besides the ones who've done the Open or the sanctioned events that have already run. So what's the point? Mm, good point. And actually on that, a good news with the, the Down Under event, there was recent news that the people who are qualified for this year is going to qualify for next year's as well, right? Yeah, so it's an automatic uh, invite into next year's. So I reckon the game should pretty much just do maybe a similar thing of next year, just make it anyone who's qualified this year, you get to go next year, or maybe somehow make it like a seeding system of you have to rank well enough this year and this coming year, like for example in the Open, and your average across both determines whether you get to keep your spot. I think that's a better option just because there's going to be too much variability when it comes to having athletes perform you know, against one another in a, in a controlled state because it's no, no longer controlled. There's too much of a distance between training and the event itself. So we have some of our athletes actually uh, qualifying for a down, a down under. So we got Cal Foster, right? So mm. with that in mind, is there any, any going to be like a change of plan when it comes to uh, you know working towards the down under for next year? 
So initially when he qualified, the plan was to, you know, peak for ACC, spend a couple of weeks recovering and then prime back up ready for another peak at down under. But when we got announced that there was now a delay or an extension, so down under was going to be a little bit later, it was, okay, sweet, we've got some time to have a bit of a rest post-ACC, bit of time to build, and then we can work on peaking again before down under. So he had some time to actually improve in there. Now, as soon as down under was announced that it was going to be extended, I we did bank on there was a high chance that it was probably going to be cancelled. So we really bled the uh, building phase from that, the accumulation phase, as we can call it. So we really bled that, which has been working amazing for him at the moment. But going into next year, really, I mean, by our knowledge, the next competition that is going to be held that would be important for Cal would be the Open. Mm. Unless we decide that, you know, let's say a few local comps actually get opened up and are allowed to be run then maybe a local comp or two just to give uh, Cal that little bit of a taste of competition again. But other than that, the next one would be the Open, which we're not really peaking for. We're doing the minimal to be able to actually qualify for some sanctioned events. And then next year would be going back into the Down Under, but they haven't even announced a date for Down Under next year. So it may, it could be earlier on in the year, could be slightly later. We don't know. So we can't really come up with a full plan for that just yet really just playing the waiting game at this point and just you know planning around when those announcements come out i guess yeah pretty much yeah on on you just mentioned uh local comps as well and seeing that all of these comp sanctionals and whatnot are being cancelled what do you think is the likelihood that competition is going to continue on in well australia uh, australia wide i know in wa there might be a higher chance that some comps during uh towards the end of the year may continue or or uh, come back up, but what what does this mean for all the, all the uh, athletes uh, locally? I reckon it's a hard one for obviously over east competitions because I know for a lot of the over east competitions, athletes would travel for. You know, I've been over to a fair few over there, everything like that. A lot of people travel interstate, but when it comes down to here, not many people come over here for competitions. Over here, it's a lot more local. You know, everyone is within this vicinity, so. If all of our restrictions get lifted, because we're doing pretty damn well at the moment as a state, if all of our restrictions get lifted, I don't see why not, you know, within the next couple of months that potentially there could be a competition or two run, you know, just a local level one, just to really feed the people who've been wanting to compete for a while or maybe had competitions, but they they got cancelled, for example, like Cal. So I think there's an opportunity for you know, with the right uh, attitude from people who run the competitions to run a good one and run one that could be very, very successful, something like the Chasing Better Throwdown. Yeah, which is, uh, that one's, from my knowledge, uh, planned to still go ahead, and that's towards the end of the year around November. So we have some pretty high hopes for that one to to basically keep going on. Uh, but how about all the other comps? Because I know, ex- especially during the point of which the um, virus became very bad and and the announcements came out that most of these comps and any events are going to be cancelled. There was about, from my knowledge, or three or four under my care in, in a way, marketing-wise, that were cancelled. Do you think that we're going to have a fluctuation of a huge number of comps basically uh, in basically season B of the year? And is that going to be too much? Yes. Yes, there definitely will be a huge fluctuation of people trying to because – And we saw this a few years ago as well. If you've been crossfitting for a little while, around 2015, there was a massive influx in competitions. But that 
in turn meant a massive influx in crap competitions. Mm. People were running competitions for the sake of trying to earn a few bucks because if you run a good one, you could definitely make a few bucks. It's a stressful weekend. But if you ran a good one with minimal uh, outgoings, you could make a few bucks off the weekend. And a lot of people tried doing that. Um, I reckon coming back from this, there's going to be a lot of people who will try and capitalize on that, especially considering a lot of comps have had to cancel. They'll try really maximize on trying to earn a few bucks, especially because they've probably taken a little bit of a financial blow across this time. So they'll be doing anything and everything to get their name out there and to try and make that money back. Do you think this actually might be a bit of a, a revamp to what the CrossFit CNWA used to be, which is, uh, from my knowledge, a huge, uh, basically, it was like a comp every weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it's second half of that year in 2015, there was pretty much, you know, a, for about four months there, there was a comp every week to two weeks at least. Mm. Yeah. So basically then, do you think this might be a bit of a, a mirror of what that used to be? Uh, potentially, I reckon it's either going to go that extreme or the complete opposite. And a lot of comps are just going to not run. Even some of the ones that have postponed earlier on in the year due to the virus, maybe those guys would just be like, okay, we're just going to can it for this year. And maybe the rest of this year might just be a bit of a drought for them. Besides obviously the chasing better throwdown, which will mm. still be running at this stage. But I reckon it's either going to go every man and his dog's going to try and make a comp or potentially no one wants to make any at all. Yeah, well, I guess the variable we haven't talked about yet is the competitors because, you know, I guess when you're trying to prepare for a comp, you have the mindset for that. You are preparing probably weeks and weeks prior to the comp. And so right now, if someone uh, released a comp in a month, I would definitely not do it. I'm just not physically there yet. And I'm guessing that's for a lot of people as well, seeing that the gyms have been shut and the only people who have been training are those at home and still... Um, to a limit of uh, a lot of equipment and uh, competition from other members, you know, we're training together in that environment. So I feel like that might be a little bit lost, that feeling of, of uh, driving comp um, through competition. So do you think that might be a pretty major variable as to whether or not these comps should even go on? Definitely a huge variable. People don't exactly love challenging themselves or testing themselves in that way. I mean, Let's change the topic slightly. Okay. You've done a competition before, haven't you? A CrossFit I've, competition. I've done one and it was very much just on, uh, off the, like the whim. It's just, I didn't, I didn't have any intention until that ticket for that comp was like available and it was like for free or something like that. So when did you score that ticket? Oh, that was like two years ago. No, like, I mean, oh, in relation to the comp. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was like two or three days before that comp. So yours was a real spontaneous two days yeah, before. Yeah, let's jump in. yeah. I had no, um, no training or prep for it at all. What was your thoughts going into that? I really just wanted to experience what it was like competing in uh, in a kind of a mixed model or a, a CrossFit setting because I just haven't experienced that before in my life and I thought it would be a fun little experiment for myself. Uh, and it was pretty bad in the sense that I didn't prepare uh, nutritionally as well. So, yeah, it was, it was a good learning experience. Looking back on that, did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy that weekend and that experience for you? Obviously, be honest, because competing is not for anyone, not for everyone. But did you enjoy that? Hard to answer because there was like, yeah, it was hard to answer because I liked the camaraderie and the feeling of, you know, being able to compete alongside people that you've been training with for, for many months or even a year. Uh, but 
there was no real need to compete. And I didn't feel like I was very competitive, uh, especially with CrossFit at that point in time. So it was really just more just having fun with the crowd. But honestly, I wouldn't probably do that again unless the need came back. Did you have any expectations on yourself that weekend going into it? Absolutely or even across, <laughs> the, across the events? Did you start building expectations? A little bit, actually. I felt like I, I knew I could do reasonably well you, when you are in, because uh, I was just in the beginners, but you kind of start eyeing off your competition uh, early on. And that kind of builds up when you look at the score, uh, the scoreboard and you see where you're placed in relation to someone else. And in your mind, you'll have a conversation with yourself like, why did, how did he beat you? You know, it doesn't look like that. He's that fit. And so you'd have that mental um, uh, drive to try to beat him in the next event. But once everything subsided, it was like it didn't really matter too much. But it was during the event that need to compete. And it did kind of continuously carry on and build from, from event one to event six. Directly after that, event, after that whole competition, were you inspired to do another one to get better? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. You do get a little bit of um, after comp uh, motivation to train a little harder. But I feel like that's just the result of being in that environment and just the, the carry on effect. It wasn't really something that, you know, sparked a huge uh, change in lifestyle just to start training more. Unless, like for some people, that might be the case. Hmm. Yeah, pretty much exactly what you just said pretty much describes one side of the two types of people when it comes down to competitions. Some people love them. Some people don't love them at all. Some people should do them. Some people I don't believe necessarily should from their own, you know, mental standpoint. Everyone could do a competition. Some people should, some people shouldn't though. So with yours, obviously you threw yourself in the deep end by stuff it. Let's give it a crack. I mean, it's a bit hard for you to get another opportunity to because you photograph every single event now. You so. know what? Saying that now, actually, I think um, because it's actually such a long time ago since I've actually been at an event and photographed it uh, or vlogged it. Uh, I did, there were some events where I was um, in the actual environment when I was taking the pictures and I was kind of wishing I was there. Like I was wishing I was alongside these athletes competing. But um, that could just be just because, you know, I, I, a bit of a, a bit of FOMO or just, it just looks fun. But otherwise I know if I was there actually competing, I'd feel like shit. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you there. I see a couple of different people when it comes down to competitions and some people get pushed into doing competitions when they maybe shouldn't you weren't necessarily that case because you are a competitive human being but competing is for some people competing is not for everyone though some people love competition for the sake of actually the the challenge and the excitement of challenging themselves the risk you know for you it was like a, i don't know how this is going to go i'm going to throw myself in the deep end and give it a crack some people on the other hand will jump into a competition, not for the sake of challenging themselves, but for the sake of getting gratification of doing well. Those are the sort of people who you generally see stay in a category for way too long. For example, if you jumped in and you just stayed in that same beginner category, even though, what did you place that time? Uh, I think it was fourth. Yeah. So overall. Considering you placed fourth, you know, if you just kept doing more beginners and more beginners until, you know, you won it, you're just doing that purely for self-gratification, right. literally for the sake of, okay, I just want to be the best beginner before I move up. A lot of people, I, I believe in the, um, you should always be trying to really challenge yourself as in it doesn't matter if you're, you know, come dead last. Now that you've had your experience, if you're going to jump in again, challenge yourself, go on intermediate, go on RX. And, you know, as long as you can, you have the prerequisite movements that you need, give it a try, challenge yourself and see where you're at. 
yeah, I've always had that thought that, you know, we're coming from a, a more of a bodybuilding background where aesthetics were more of the focus and that was where I was competing more or less. When competing on more of a performance, from a performance standpoint, do you have to kind of rely on competitions in order to grow in some to some degree? I mean, there is the competition you have with other members in your gym, but is also aiming to compete at a comp and using that as your metric. No, not at all. You can definitely focus on the process. So you don't need others as your motivation to be able to train or to compete or to actually do well or to improve you can be focusing on the process and focusing on yourself. If you are a human being who focuses on yourself and focuses on the process, you may find that you will do very well in competitions, but you may not actually enjoy them that much. Some people will spend a lot of time focusing on everyone else. Those are the people who are doing classes, constantly looking at everyone else going, why is Andy beating me every single workout? I need to be able to beat Andy. What do I need to do to be able to beat Andy? When really... You're never going to be happy because you're only focusing on other people's results or your result at a competition, which unless you win, you'll probably never be happy with. But if you focus on the process about what you're doing now and how you're actually improving across time, you will notice that you are improving. You will notice that you're getting better. So you will be able to be happy in the moment. And some people can be process related, sorry, process oriented and still improve and still do competitions and find you know love for them. Some people, not so much. I'm guessing the perfect balance is that in itself, a balance between both of those worlds of wanting to compete and having that eye on that other person, but also having a lot of contentment in your own process and the way you go during training, how you grow as an athlete. Or, I mean, you're an athlete yourself. You tell me what was the, what drove you initially and where do you find the best balance? I... If, well, let's talk about, so people who I coach currently, if their goal is to become the best CrossFit competitor or functional fitness competitor they can be, I need to, I want them to have a strong amount of process oriented goals, but also I want them to, I do want them to focus slightly on other people because that is going to push them even more. But if I'm talking about the general population, people who are just training specifically for health or for, you know, weight loss goals or, you know, just trying to lift slightly more. If those people are constantly focusing on other people or even slightly focusing on other people, that is dangerous for them. So those people I don't believe should be focusing on others whatsoever. They should purely be focusing on the process. If you want to be a competitor, you need to focus on others slightly. You're never going to be the you know world's best at something if you're only focusing on yourself. Mm. But if you're mostly focusing on others, then you may not be the world's best either because you're never focusing on what you can do. Now, from my perspective, from being an athlete, I've always had the perspective of wanting to challenge myself. So like, you know, I threw myself in the deep end quite early. We jumped into an RX comp. I'd done one intermediate, didn't do that great. You know, I think I could only snatch 70 kilos and I thought, stuff it. I'm going to jump into an RX comp. I swam my first 100 meters in my life unbroken in my first RX comp because the first event was swimming. You know, I, but I always thrived off of, I would rather challenge myself, chuck myself literally in the deep end and see how I go. Even if I came dead last, at least I can learn from that. And as long as I walk out of that competition knowing that I gave my best every single event, I will be happy with that. 
Nice. What was the like, is, um, initial uh, need for you to go into that comp and, and go from intermediate and RX? Was it just just to see what it's like to experience an RX competition, or is it more you knew there were other athletes in that category that you wanted to compete alongside? No, it was never the athletes. I I mean, I looked up to the athletes who I competed alongside, but the main thing there was I enjoyed competition. I enjoyed the challenge that it gave me. So obviously it, it literally threw me in the deep end of I was comfortable training in my own gym at my own time with the normal people I normally did. So I wanted that extra challenge of, okay, what can I do when there are other people around? What can I do when there is a leaderboard or a placing at stake here? I was never focused on anyone else. I was focusing on doing what I could do in that moment. And that was what made me jump up to the next category. I'm not the sort of person who likes to stagnate in anything in my life. So I wanted to progress and to move forward. And that live stage where where you got to actually see where you could perform uh, in front of others as well, that probably gave you the opportunity to really push yourself, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that was, you know, also the motive behind doing some of the over east comps and whatnot was I was doing lots of comps over here and that just became the norm, I suppose. So I wanted to be like, what what's next? What can I do next to challenge myself? And that was, you know, go over and do a Schwartz competition, um, go over and do a Torian comp, things like that. So was the vision ever to get to the games? Oh yeah, definitely back in the uh diluted, diluted uh young Carter stage. But you know, the the main goal was first was get and make it to regionals. And then obviously regionals got canned. But really, like, I'm pretty sure everyone back in the day was like, a, yeah, I'd love to be a games athlete. So in the back of your mind, that was that was still like the big vision. Like, yeah, that was the one that was leading you towards uh, or leading all your actions towards. Not necessarily. That was the a big goal, but that wasn't exactly what I was working towards daily. I was working towards just trying to better myself as a as an athlete and as a human daily and that was the the main goal with the intent of hoping that that would in in turn uh direct me towards the games interesting i mean that is probably the best approach because that just talked about the balance between having that process mindset and the outcome mindset right so that's probably a good way of looking at it and how about nowadays or as we go back into the gym and as comps start to come back into the scene and people may have not necessarily felt that that urge to compete. What could one do to get back into the game from that perspective? Do you think that would just be a natural occurrence that you, as soon as you jump back into the gym and everyone's working out again, that you know that natural competitive um, urge will just come back up pretty instantly? Or you think it yes. might take some time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that natural urge has still been there the whole time. A lot of people will just get straight back into it and be everything will be exactly fine. A lot of people who haven't been training as much, maybe a little bit uh, insecure about themselves if they have been focusing on others this whole time. But I believe it will, won't take long for a nice little reset. And I just hope that people don't be idiots getting back into the gym and that they do, that they reintroduce it properly. Yeah, good, good way of uh, describing it. I feel like competitions are something that really um, – can really drive someone uh, forward in terms of the way they can improve their health, even though that might not necessarily be the actual um, focus. You know, it's almost as a result of competition and, and driving for that, you just get better as a human. Though, you know, there's always that other side where it is a bit neurotic. Do you feel it was a bit bit of that as well? 
yes, there's definitely a lot of the neurotic side, especially with a lot of competitors. They feel the need, the absolute desire that they have to compete, have to do better. So, and I think that's a dangerous path to go down. Mm. But uh, tiptoeing that was good. And you, you, you say pretty clear of that yourself, eh? Uh, I'd like to think so, but, you know, ask the people around me at that time. <laughs> they'd, they'd probably know better than I would because I was uh, probably a little bit diluted myself. Good point. Hey, you know, let, let's take a bit of a, a sidestep here and, and, and walk on, uh, across to a new topic. Mm. And I feel like you guys, the audience, you haven't really experienced who we are. You don't really know who we are and what our background was uh, before you know, starting the podcast and uh, before everything, really. So I thought it'd be nice to, and I got a bit of a taste there of what Carter's background is, but let's talk a little more about, you know, how you got started, where you came from and, and basically what led you to this point right now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Let's go deep here. So make sure, I mean, if you guys have listened to us this, this many episodes now, then you may as well know who we are, right? Exactly. So we'll start with you, Carter, because I think your, your story is quite relevant, relevant to everything. I mean, it's very much fitness related. So, and I think that's a good point. We'll probably note on that. There was a bit of like a sidestep between, you know, deciding whether or not to stick with fitness or going towards more of a career in just, you know, what is presented to you as a kid, you know, through school and stuff, you go through that kind of um, streamline. But let's start with that point where you decided that, you know, you'd make fitness your life. Yeah. So there was, there's going to be a part where I'm going to, well, I'm going to skip, I'll not skip parts, but I'll uh, leave a few pieces out because I, we did talk about my background in sporting a few episodes ago when we were talking about the gymnastics progression. So I'm going to leave those parts out. Feel free to go back to episodes five or six. I think it was that you can, um, so you can listen to that one. But the main part here was I always loved sports and always loved fitness as a kid. Okay. I always loved it. Even growing up, always loved that side of things. Uh, I always enjoyed being outside, always enjoyed moving everything along those lines. Now, when it the decision decided, uh, sorry, when mum I decided in my mind that I wanted to you know dedicate more of my life and my passion was fitness was I was actually working as a uh, I just finished my apprenticeship in as a cabinet maker and I just joined the gym so I just started training again at that point I wasn't doing any sport anything like that just joined the gym so I started training at the gym again uh, was really enjoying it at that point I literally started. Um, the, sorry, at the gym I was coaching at, uh, sorry, at the gym I was training at, they opened up like a, a CrossFit section where they were coach classes, everything like that. I jumped in those classes and literally fell in love with it pretty much instantly. At that point, they also were running a PT cert in within that gym. So personal trainer cert. So I thought, stuff it. I will give this a try. You know, I enjoy fitness. I've got some free time anyway. So I'd like to study and learn a little bit more. And pretty much at that point was the point that I decided I wanted to commit a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of effort into not just making myself better within the gym, but actually helping others to be better. And I really enjoyed the side of being selfless as in helping others and spending all your time and energy helping everyone else. So that's pretty much at that point I came up with you know, this, the decision that my why and why I do what I do is to help everyone else or to help others to become the best versions of themselves. Nice. Nice. Now I feel like we, we skipped a lot of, that was a basically, you know, going from uh, being a cabinet maker and deciding to be 
dedicating your life to CrossFit or, or fitness in general. Now, before you made a decision where you thought you could make that transition between cabinet maker to nutrition in terms of your, your main income and your life's purpose, uh, two questions. Was there any naysayers in your life that kind of gave you that alternative option of not going into fitness because perhaps it was not a very financially stable industry? Did you have a previous notions on the, um, on the fitness industry basically before you made that decision? I had uh, zero knowledge around the financial side of the fitness industry at that point. Because back then there, I mean, there may have been Instagram, but back then there wasn't really, you know, Instagram influencers. I didn't see the millionaires who apparently made it from selling, you know, programs and putting booty shots on Instagram. But my, I had the desire to help people more than I did the desire to make money. So there were a lot of people who were like, why would you do that? That is not a stable career or that is not a career as at all. I literally did not give a shit. Literally, my thought process there was, I actually don't care. I want to do this, so I'm going to give it a crack and I will make it work financially. I'll do what I can, you know, to make it work. Whether in my mind that was a, I don't know, I might need to get a part-time job as well. I might need to do something else. I literally had no clue. So I just went into it with the, I'll give this a try, see how it goes. And even if it meant that I was, living off bare minimums, I'll just give it a try. And that was, I mean, obviously at first, you know, you're a personal trainer and a coach with minimal classes, minimal clients. It was tough at first, but, you know, I've just always strived to become better and to work harder and to be able to provide a better service for everyone else. And, you know, that just all fell together. That's pretty cool. I mean, it sounds like there were no need to hold up to any status symbol at that point. You know, for instance, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, you when you are going through school and you have your friends going to uni and, and you decide to choose a different path entirely. In my context, it was more, you know, if it was to choose TAFE for uni, you choose uni because of the status symbol that is associated with uni. Was there nothing like that when, when making that decision? Nah, I've never really cared as such about status symbols per se or what anyone around me is doing. Because I know I'm on a different journey. I'm on my own path. And as long as I'm doing what makes me happy and I am improving others, then that is all that I've really cared about. So I literally never cared about any of that sort of stuff. Obviously, over time, I've built up some of those, that status symbol, you know, by doing a lot more further study, doing a lot more courses, everything like that. But there was no desire to do that, to be able to you know, flash a card around and being like, look at me, I've done this, this and this. It was more so a, I want to do this if I know it is going to lead me closer or help me further develop my reason why I do what I do. Nice. Do you think there was anything that separated you between those people that, you know, may not have followed a similar path? And when I mean a similar path, I mean towards something they were more passionate about. Do you think there was something a little bit different about you? Ah, uh, good question, because I've never really thought of myself as necessarily different to others. I just know that a lot of others don't necessarily choose what they want to do. They choose what they feel they need to do, as in they get told that they should do something, or maybe they do have a desire to be financially stable, or they're told that they need to be financially stable, and the job that they're going to uni for looks way better on paper than what they want to do, for example, 
become you know someone in the fitness industry so they're going to take that option instead which i think we'll be able to go into a little bit more when we bring up your story there as well um but pretty much i'll continue on with my story just a little bit more so that was my decision and you know since then i've coached at multiple different gyms one two three four four different gyms um and then over those th- that time period so this has been across you know nine years now of coaching coaching and training um sorry a few more years of training but nine years of coaching and across that time as well i also obviously started up the game plan the game plan program which is my online coaching platform and system so cool cool and I guess I've got one more question, which is just if you could name one of the visions that you have for yourself now moving forward, you know, what would that be? What does that look like? And you know, kind of paint a picture of it, if you can. Whoa. Yeah, that's a hard one. There was definitely no, no pre-preparation for this one. So a big thing, well, my why is still the same. I still want to help people become the best versions of themselves. So I want to develop a platform where they can learn how to move so they can move better. So for example, a training platform, I want to create a platform where they can learn how, so they can learn, you know, so people can learn how to become better humans, whether that's through education, whether that's still also through training and yes, that's really it. So I want to like a big vision here is I want to be able to provide the platform to be for others to be able to make better versions of themselves. Cool. And that's, I guess it uh, doesn't matter where it is in the world, just as long as you get to do that every day. Yep. Interesting. I mean, it's, it's more recent that I've kind of understood that having that big goal doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean much. It's more about what you do every day to get there, which has a lot more uh, value and gravity when it comes to your overall satisfaction with life, I guess. But yeah, it's pretty cool hearing that. Cheers for sharing. Hmm. So... Tell us about yours. I mean, yours is a completely different story to mine. I mean, you're really just delving into the fitness industry, but you've sort of been around it since from the get-go when yeah. you were really, really young. So yeah. tell me a bit about your background. You know, who are you, Andy? Who are you? I, I realized that that's actually a harder question to answer than first um, assumed. All right. I can, I can probably start with where I decide that fitness might be in my life. I mean, I've always sort of got around things like martial arts and a bit of uh, sports here in primary school and little things here and there, but it was never really a big part until I remember getting into high school and it was very much a um, superficial reason why I started lifting weights. Because when you're in high school, you go around and you, you start realizing, okay, girls are now a factor. You're also now having to compete uh, between your peers, you know, you're now having to almost have a bit of dominance over them, even if it's not necessarily um, obvious, but you start to build yourself up. And because you want to be that, I guess, more dominant person in high school, you start training with weights and get bigger and stronger because strength is that natural um, uh, kind of metric as to whether or not you are a better person. And as neurotic as that sounds, that's kind of how I got into fitness to begin with. And I remember uh, going to, I think it was a sports carnival first year, year eight, doing terribly. I hated that feeling. So I started after that year just to basically my, my, my main goal was just to build myself up as much as possible, train as hard as I could, push-ups, sit-ups, all of the thing. Like it wasn't necessarily planned at all. It was me going doing a lot of research on YouTube just to uh, figure out what's, you know, the best way to get huge biceps and get stronger and faster at sprints. So that was basically where I started from. 
And it wasn't until maybe about year nine and year 10, about year 10 when it was starting to pay off visually, where people be like, holy shit, uh, let's not mess with this guy. And that's when it started feeling like, all right, now I've built this identity around myself and fitness. Like good old testosterone boost. That's it. That's it. And I started to basically live that and make that my make that my identity. And it all went from there. I just kept on researching fitness and researching how to become better, uh, researching nutrition, how to optimize myself. And, and then that was kind of the building process behind even going into things like nootropics and becoming mentally more cognitively more um, more fast and, and flexible in terms of being able to think in much more bigger ways. So that's kind of where it built from. But, uh, and that's where it's God got me here now, but I never considered it a opportunity for a career in. Yeah. So you spent ages training and developing yourself. Now you never thought of it as a career, but obviously more recently now you, I mean, what, for the past couple of years, the past year and a half, two years, you've been uh, involved with a couple of fitness companies or involved in the fitness industry when even when it comes down to like marketing, media, everything like that, you're obviously involved with the game plan. We obviously create these podcasts, etc. What what was the or what were you doing beforehand? And then what was the changing point that sort of got you into this? Right. Okay. So uh I ended up with a bit around high school, finishing high school. All right. So the, I guess the decision was never to be in the, the, the fitness industry just because of more of a status thing of it. I'll be honest, I never really felt it was very um, profitable in terms of a, a career. So I went and went straight into uni. And I studied computer science and business information systems just because I was somewhat around my, my interests back then. Though still, you know, fitness was also the thing that I would think about probably more as a passion on the sidelines. Now, doing that, I basically got uh, with a de- got out of a degree, and with that degree, I started my own uh, journey as being a solo uh, web developer and graphic designer, and that's where I started to really venture into um, uh, niche industries, and one of which is being uh, fitness. And the way that happened was one of my clients actually just invited me to CrossFit Chasing Better. It was just... Um, they invited me just to train um, with the uh, with the team just because he was obsessed with it. Uh, this is Graham Bat. If you guys have um, uh, met him before, I uh, hope he's listening to this right now. Uh, he invited me to Chasing Better, and uh, from there, I basically loved it. But I wasn't bought in yet. It wasn't until I won, I think, a three month uh, free membership with Chasing Better, just because I um, bid on an item at, a, at, a, at an auction somewhere. I, I bid on, on these tickets, I won them, and I just kind of mooched off that for the last two years. And uh, I talked to the owners there, I, I, I talked to a lot of the members, and I kind of started feeling like this was a place for me. It just felt almost like natural because it merged two of my passions, which was creativity and fitness together, and that's kind of the entry point uh, to where we are now. Hmm. We won't talk about the future too much, but... Right now, what are you working on to, I suppose, make health and fitness a little bit more of your life? That's been a bit of a challenge, of course, because, you know, it, it, it's still balancing work itself in the marketing industry and the creative industry. But fitness-wise, um, and it's, I've been uh, searching for, for a while a good, reputable nutritional um, certification to follow. 
And right now I'm going through that uh, to get my level one, level two in. It was the NCI nutrition course. And so that's one of my steps in becoming certified in that area, but also just uh, becoming a little bit more involved in terms of the athletic side as well, training with more of a system in, um, uh, in mind than just bodybuilding in and using my uh, my experience from watching YouTube as a as a guide. So that's that's two areas that I'm trying to improve on right now to basically break into the industry in some way. Hmm. Awesome. Now I'm going to throw back the question you asked me, just to throw you in the deep end. What is uh, go what ahead? Is a, what is a vision that you have going forward with you and the health and fitness industry? Okay. I have thought about this quite a bit. Damn it, he was pre-prepared. I was not. But I really want to, it, it's very similar to yours. It's I want to be able to create a system which is flexible enough to help as many people as possible uh, in the nutrition space. Because I, I, I'm going to be honest, being an athletic, uh, uh, being a programmer in terms of um, uh, in, in the functional fitness space is not necessarily my, I would not have much experience in that. But nutrition-wise, I've had experience with trying to, you know, cut weight, bulk up, all these different ways of uh, trying to change and uh, recomp- change your comp- body composition as much as possible. And the through that challenge, I feel like I've learned enough to help people you know, go through that challenge as well. Because it's not just nutritional; it's very emotional as well. It has to do with a lot of personal. Um, uh, resistance as well in that process. So I feel like that's what I want to help out with people in the long term is building that system and making that uh, available to as many people as possible. You have thought about that, haven't you? I think uh, that was a nice little uh, teaser going forward as well of Andy Andy and I work together. Andy likes nutrition and he's getting <laughs> qual- uh, qualified right now. Maybe a subtle hint to TGP Fit Nutrition coming forward. Maybe, maybe not. But talking about visions and goals, we've obviously set some big goals uh, that you guys should know about recently Of for the eight weeks. This is now week two. Just week two. Yeah, yep, just week two. Man, it feels like we've been doing this for so much longer. Um, but my goal was the 500-pound deadlift at the end of the eight weeks and 50 unbroken strict 10-cent push-ups. Andy had multiple goals. We're talking about the main ones right now. Not going to go into too much detail there of he's trying to get a sub-16-minute sub 4k run yeah yeah we're gonna stick with that one yeah yeah sub 16 minute 4k run now how's that going for you andy it went it's going well so this is week two and with my training regime I'm how many days a week are you training three specific it, for the for, run. For running though yeah yeah because yeah. around that i'll have other um uh sessions where i'll work on more strength and uh this hypertrophy but in terms of the uh training for the run um one of my tests that i will do and i'll share this one with you uh, was yesterday, and that was a 3K run. And my goal was just to keep that at a four-minute pace overall. So I hit that, I think it was about 4.02, a little bit over, but I'm still pretty happy with that, seeing that I didn't necessarily feel mentally ready for that run. It was rainy outside. Um, it didn't really feel like something I wanted to do, but I was able to push through it and achieve that number. So technically, I'm on the right track for hitting uh, 4Ks, and doing that uh, for 16 minutes, within 16 minutes. Awesome, awesome. That's good. On my end, my deadlift goal, the handstand push-up goal, I'm not. I'm training mildly for that. That's not something that I feel like I need to put in a lot of time and effort into to be able to achieve. 
but I'm training mildly for that. With the deadlift, that's something I'm going to have to put some big effort into. So I've been doing a lot of pulling recently, a lot of pulling, a lot of hinging, a lot of upper back strength. Not the pulling you guys are thinking about. Sorry, I had to say that there. Uh, <laughs> no. So anyway, with this one, last week, uh, last time on the last episode, we talked about I hit a four deadlift at 200, which was a nice little PB for me. This week, uh, sorry, and then after that, later on in the week, I did hit a three at 200 comfortably, tried a three at 210, ended up just pulling a nice single. The double was not happening that day, but 210 was the easiest it had ever felt, went up nice, ended up hitting a second single of that not too long afterwards, a couple of minutes rest. This week, taking it's been a little bit of a deload week. The last few weeks have been pretty bloody heavy for me, so really I worked on some tempo lowers, some tempo eccentric work with a reset on the floor and some explosive, ex, uh, explosive concentric, so explosive on the way up, which for me that just looked like, what was it, five sets of two at 170 kilos. Nothing too heavy, but really focusing on some speed with some controlled lowers there. So, And there's a bunch of accessory work I'm doing as well around this, you know, Lots of uh, snatch grip pulls, some uh, lots of clean grip pulls, lots of hinging RDLs, rear foot elevated splits, split squats. So I'm not just deadlifting and I'm definitely not doing every single day. No, there is no 100-day deadlift program. Don't do that anyway because you will blow your back out. Um, I'm not doing anything like that. Literally just trying to keep it as simple and basic as possible. And, oh, I mean, it always feels a little bit worse when you're doing it mid-deload uh, week, but... You know, hopefully next week I come back stronger. I love it. For it. Love it. Love the attention to detail as well. That's awesome. Yeah, we only have two more weeks left of these goals. So let's punch it hard this week and next week. And let's recap on how we go that next week on the podcast. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Thanks for lifting, uh, for, lifting for listening here. And lifting. Don't yeah. forget to do that. Yeah, definitely don't forget to do that. This was episode eight here. On episode 10, we plan on getting a guest on. If you guys have any suggestions... Let us know. If there's anyone who you think that we could talk to, that might be good. If let you want to be a guest, let us know as well because yeah. we're welcome to just interview someone on the podcast and uh, share their experience with fitness and how they want to impact the world. So we can't wait for that. Now, the biggest thing you guys can do to help us out is take a screenshot of you listening to this podcast and chuck it on your Instagram stories, chuck it on your Facebook. Obviously, we love a review, but if you guys can actually share the podcast with more people, that will help immensely. Thanks heaps for listening, guys, and we'll see you guys next week. Catch ya.